Yes. I know there is one source, one power, one divine essence in this universe. And I know that we are that power, that divine essence. There is absolutely no separation between us and God. We are all one. And because this is the truth of all of us, that we are God in form and God shows up as us, in us, through us, I therefore know we are perfection. All of us at our core, we are perfection. Yes, we may doubt that we are perfect. We may doubt that we are a gift to the world, but we are. Our gift is our uniqueness. We are all here for a divine purpose. We are all here to be our true selves. I know when I'm not at my best, it is because I'm not listening to my divine guidance. I'm not doing the spiritual practice that connects me to my divine purpose. It's also when I'm not being true to my essence. When I miss the mark, I'm not bad. I'm not evil. I am good. I am kind. I am love. But I may have just stepped away from living from love for just a moment. And I say these words for me, and I also say these words for all of us. When we miss our target, when we stray from our truth, our divine truth, we know it, we feel it, and we suffer from it. By going within, by listening, by just being truly present with ourselves, we can know the right path and get back on track. That is what we as spiritual beings do. We can always observe ourselves, adjust ourselves, all while loving ourselves. And I might add, when we do this for ourselves, this accepting of our missteps, it is so much easier to do this for others, allowing others their missteps also, for we are all divine. And just take that in and say to yourself, I am divine. I am a spiritual being. I am perfect. I have a quote from Ernest Holmes. There is a divine spark at the center of your being. But you need to recognize this, believe it, and act upon your belief. Ernest knew this of you, of us of himself. So with great, great gratitude in seeing and feeling and knowing this divine, divine presence in everyone, I release these words into the law, the law that always says yes, that always says love. I release these knowing, release this knowing these words are our truth. And so it is. This month we are looking at the soul's call. Uh, the soul's call. And when I wrote that, my spell check said, are you sure you want to use S-O-U-L? Maybe it's S-O-L-E. No, it's not S-O-L-E. It's S-O-U-L. So it's that soul. Uh, that is our call uh, that we're looking at. Uh, Tracy Brown, who's a, a lovely practitioner uh, in uh, Dallas, 
uh, and who wrote uh, some basics of this talk, uh, said, Carl Jung said, who looks outside dreams, who looks inside awakens. And she goes on to say, the soul's call is this deeply intimate, challenging, exponentially powerful and globally beneficial work we are invited to do daily. Breathe that in. This is globally beneficial because when any one of us awakens, it affects and evolves the global consciousness. The work we do ripples out through the world. And I want to just mention when she says, when any one of us awakens, awakening isn't a destination that we achieve. It's a process that we're constantly engaged in. We, are, we don't awaken. We are in the awakening that is happening within our soul and the collective soul. So today, <laughs> there's, a, there's a Texas idiom that I, I heard a long time ago that said, if you have to eat five frogs, eat the biggest one first. In other words, get over the biggest hurdle first. And so today's topic is called being pushed by pain. And, you know, we'll look at it. It's an unpopular topic, I have to say, or at least it could be, uh, of being pushed by pain. And as happy, happy, joy, joy, religious scientists who know that our thoughts are creative agents in our lives, we don't like to talk about pain, do we? You know, it's like, no, 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 I, I, that, that's not me. Much less admit that we even have some. Maybe just a little tiny bit in some minor corner of our lives. But we all know people who do have pain in their lives. And so we'll listen and we'll take notes so we can tell them how they should be living and what they need to do. So, okay, so we'll do that today. Suppose we didn't deny or avoid pain. You know, Pema Chodron, who's a, a Buddhist nun in her book, um, The Places That Scare You, says, do I prefer to grow up and relate to life directly, or do I cho choose to live and die in fear? And so this is the opportunity to wake up and look at life directly, look at this, these, some of the places that we don't want to look at. So suppose we didn't deny or avoid the pain, but rather we embraced it. What with kind attention and compassionate curiosity, kind attention and compassionate curiosity to grow into a higher consciousness, a deeper love and a, a deeper commitment to faith and to spiritual practice. What if we use pain as a fertilizer to help us to grow? And any of you who've used fertilizer know it doesn't always smell good, but it has good results. There's a saying that says, sometimes when you're in a dark place, you think you've been buried, but you've actually been planted. So let's explore pain. Take a breath. Keep breathing through this if you need to. So the most clear uh, way to observe the process is how it shows up in a dense state, say the human body. Uh, energetically a dense state. So our nerve endings, I'm not going to get into all the science and, and medical and bi you know, biology of all this, but our nerve endings are sensors. And they're constantly sending input from our surface, from the surfaces that they relate to, to the brain. And this input in the form of sensation, and then our brain identifies those sensations. And this is key. It identifies those sensations as either pleasure or pain. 
And with pleasure, we tend to relax and open up. And with pain, we tend to contract. We tend to tighten up. We tend to prepare for fight or flight. These receptors simply provide information which the brain acts upon. It's very helpful when we've laid our hand on a hot burner to have a quick flight or flight response, right? A quick flight response. You know, in, in, in my brain, it says, hey, stupid, you've got your hand on a burner, get it off there. And, and it's an almost instantaneous result. Now, I, I've got a friend who's, a, a, who's British and they're very polite. So the brain says, um, excuse me, sir, but have you noticed, and maybe if we want to pay attention to the fact that your hand is on a burner, uh, this is why more British people have burned hands than, than American. No, I'm just teasing, totally kidding. So it's good to have this, this quick flight response. But sometimes the brain misinterprets or overreacts. Have you noticed? Based on its own library of store, stored events. You know, years ago, I noticed that when I went to the dentist, my whole body would just tense up. Everything from head to toe was tense. I mean, I'm white knuckling the, 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 the um, armrests and, and everything. And I began to practice talking to myself because I knew this wasn't the way that I, I wanted to do, you know, the, every visit to the dentist. I started telling myself, I've agreed to let these people do these things. You know, these are things that, you know, if you're trying to get the nuclear codes out of me, you would you know, probably do these practices to do it. But that's not why they were doing it. You know, and I would tell myself the pain now is for greater good later on. And so I could talk to myself and kind of calm my brain down from the reactions and calm my body down from the reactions. And after a while, I no longer experienced that whole body panicked tension. Another time while I was practicing a, a deep body control process. I was been immersed in this for about a year and I was learning to hold nerve sensations as just sensations without the interpretation, without letting the brain add its interpretation response. And so I had a filling done uh, with no numbing. I asked the doctor, the dentist to not give me any, any Novocaine. And he agreed. And he says, you know, if this doesn't work, I can get you to numb in five seconds. I got a needle sitting right here on the tray. And so I had a backup plan, but I, I started that. And I just simply, as he was working on, on me, just went sensation. Every time I'd have a sensation, I would just identify it and call it sensation. I wouldn't let it get to the brain, go pain, pleasure, just anything. And so I was just going along. It was good. You know, he's drilling away. I'm going sensation, sensation, sensation. He pulls the drill out and the dental assistant blows the air, you know, up to clear out all the stuff. And I went, sensation. It was uh, very intense. <laughs> and so, but I moved past that, the filling, you know, he filled in and, and everything was, but it didn't go to pain pleasure. It was just like, ooh, intense sensation. And it was a holding of that consciousness. The good news was <laughs> I was able to go out for dinner afterwards and not worry about dribbling food down, the, down my cheek, you know? These days, I just, I don't bother to get that focused about it. But this tells us something about pain that we can disengage from and or change the brain interpretations and thus the physical experience. You know, this is what people do when they do firewalks. They recondition themselves because, you know, if, if you ever looked at, at hot burning coals, your brain is immediately going, you know, uh, this is going to be painful. And so you have to reprogram your brain to do that and to just practice the, the sensation, 
So by we can reprogram the brain by practicing clear attention and open-minded curiosity about what's going on. Just pay attention to it as oh, sensation, sensation, and we don't contract around it. When we contract is where we hold the pain in the body. Emotional pain works much the same way. We have an emotional experience, a sensation. And then based on our stored information, we interpret it as pleasurable or painful. And we either relax or tighten around the sensation. The interesting thing to note is that our, our conditioning and our subsequent interpretations are a significant factor in our response to both physical and emotional stimuli. And here's the good news, we can change our conditioning. That's one of the things that we teach. We can change our conditioning. We can change our rules around this. So for example, in, of emotional pain, we come home and we find our spouse or our partner in bed with somebody else. Now, if we have a rule that says our relationship is based on sexual fidelity and exclusivity, we may feel extreme emotional pain right away. We may react violently. We may end the relationship immediately. Our rule has been violated. If, on the other hand, we have a belief that relationships are based on a number of factors, we may feel pain, but we may choose to reevaluate the relationship, invoking compassionate curiosity to create a stronger relationship, to redefine the relationship and, and have it you know, grow into something greater. And if we find it pleasurable to watch our spouse having sex with another person, and there are people who are wired that way, we might find it exciting and join in. All three of these reactions are based on condition, rules, and beliefs. The same stimulus, the same event, but what we bring to that event changes our interpretation and our reaction to that event. So it's important to face and embrace pain, at, pain as a teacher. It is our consciousness calling us to us, and it may be as mundane as, hey, get your hand off that burner, or it may be more subtle and more powerful, saying you need to look at something in your life. You need to pay attention to what's going on. It's important in this process to recognize that pain is not punishment. You know, many people are conditioned and cling to the idea of pain out of guilt. I've done something wrong, therefore I deserve to suffer. And a few of us were probably raised with that kind of a teaching. It's not the truth. Take a breath. It's not the truth. God or the universe, whatever you want to call it, doesn't punish. There is no punishment in God. And we don't need to punish ourselves. You know, it's been said that pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. And suffering happens when we resist our pain, when we, you know, fight with it and, and cling to it, instead of engaging with it as a teacher. There's another dimension that I want to talk about with, with uh, working with pain. Pain is experienced in the physical and emotional bodies, our physical and emotional bodies. That's where our pain shows up. And the conflicts that lead to pain are in our mental body, you know, our, our conflicts, our rules that get in the way. But there are greater dimensions to us, greater dimensions to ourselves than just these three bodies. And whether we call it the higher self, whether we follow the yogic tradition where it's bliss body and etheric body or etheric body and bliss body to be in proper order, whether we 
Um, recently, we were, uh, several of us were studying Emma Curtis Hopkins, and she's talking about this world that exists beyond our, our consciousness of world, but, but, but is available to us. The realm that, that where she says, um, if we would transcend our limitations, we must look above our limitations. We must look into that higher dimension, that higher world. And so it's important to recognize that we are not stuck just in our physical, emotional, and mental bodies. The purpose of pain is to remind us that we're greater. We're greater than our mental rules or beliefs, which set up the pain. We're greater than our emotional and physical bodies, which experience the pain. We're greater than, we're creators of the human condition, our own individually and our own collectively. And all of which is an effect, not a cause. I love Ernest Holmes reminds us, body is an effect, not a cause. It's a result of our thinking. Consciousness doesn't exist within our bodies. Our bodies exist within consciousness. I'll say that again. Consciousness doesn't exist within our bodies. Our bodies exist within consciousness. We exist within this infinite, vast consciousness. Pain and fear are ideas within our consciousness. But our consciousness so completely envelops the body that it appears to be intelligent. And thus, we believe that we've got that going on. You know, people say, my, my body is trying to tell me something. But really, my consciousness is trying to tell me something through my body, by using my body. Will I listen to it? Or my finances, or my relationships, or my career, etc. So you aren't aware. You are awareness itself. You aren't just a being that is aware. You are the awareness, the infinite awareness itself, individualized. That's what we are. We're awareness. We're greater than any human circumstance, the essence of who we truly are. And so let the places of pain be trailheads for the paths that lead us to a greater experience of our awareness. They're entrance points. They're portals. Tomorrow, awareness that our self, my capital S self, is far more than just the human self. And we can create greater experiences of freedom and joy by using that self, by paying attention to that self, by, by bringing our consciousness into that self and looking back. You know, Sandy kind of led us in a meditation like that earlier. We can bring that consciousness, that higher consciousness that doesn't experience pain because it's living in a higher vibration. And so we can create greater freedom of joy from that self. We will be pushed by pain on the physical and emotional level, the human level, until we choose the freedom of a higher vision. And then the final thing to say about this is to be gentle with yourself in this process. Just like I talked earlier about there's no, I'm asleep, okay, now I'm awake. Um, it's a process. You know, we have, we ourselves individually have decades of conditioning about our bodies, about our emotions and all the rules and stuff like that. And they grow out of millennia of human conditioning. So we're not going to just say, oh, I'm going to listen to one talk by Reverend David and I'm just going to heal and be done with this by tomorrow. You know, I wish I was that great. I wish you were that great. But the thing is, we all take time, you know. And so self-love, self-love 
and compassionate curiosity are our two most powerful tools. We can love ourselves while we're experiencing pain of any sort, physical or emotional. We can still love ourselves. There are two most powerful tools as we remember who we are, who we really are, and free ourselves from the pattern of pain. So take a breath. This week, two practices. Number one, bring your attention to a place of pain or tension in your body and let yourself soften around it. Bring the attention there and let it soften. Notice if you have constriction or restriction and just start to let it soften. Breathe into that place and smile. It's been demonstrated that smiling relieves tension. You know, I love Thich Nhat Hanh has a, a, a lovely meditation that, that goes, breathing in, I relax. Breathing out, I smile. Breathing in, I relax. Breathing out, I smile. And so practice that. We're going to release it. We're going to breathe into it. We're going to smile. And after a while, after you've done that for a little bit, ask it, what is it that you want to show me? What is it that you want to show me? Now, here's the catch with that. Don't ask it expecting an immediate right away answer. Take that question and just let it be a, a contemplation to sit with. You may hear something. You may hear something six months down the road. Just take the question and sit with it. What is it you want to show me? And just be with that question. So that's our first practice. Find that place, bring attention to it, soften, breathe, smile, and inquire. Then the second practice is to deepen your spiritual practice, to grow your awareness of that higher self, that etheric uh, bliss body, to use the yogic tradition, that outer, that, that, that thing that is beyond just the physical, mental, and emotional conditioning of the human being. Grow your awareness of that. Pay attention to that. And a way that you can also do that is as you're breathing, Imagine that you're not just breathing in air, but you're breathing in, breathing in the healing energy of the divine. Divine healing energy carried on the waves of the air. And let that fill your body. Let that fill your mind. So that's our two practices, bringing attention to a place of tension and then deepening our practice, expanding our awareness to vibrate and to spend some real quality time with just being that high self without any agenda, just being with it spending time there, and breathing, breathing in the divine energy. Are you, are you willing to play with those two practices this week? Great. Um, I'm going to tell you that they will shift things for you. Based on experience, they will shift things for you. I want to close with a quote from uh, Richard Rohr. And he says, if evolution is the language of growth and change, then an evolving life, is one that accepts and even embraces change. While the word, word change normally refers to new beginnings, real transformation happens more often when something falls apart. I hate that, but it's the way it seems to work for all of us. The pain of something old cracking apart or unraveling invites us to evolve instead of tightening our controls and certitudes. The pain of something old cracking apart 
or unraveling invites us to evolve instead of tightening our controls and our certain certitudes, our certainties. This is how it is. Ah, so take a breath. We're going to have an affirmation that we can share in. We can say it together. So say this with me. I let any pain guide me to freedom. Again, I let any pain guide me to freedom. And so it is. So let us move into a moment of prayer. Hmm. And remembering that there is this one infinite presence, one life, available in the macro, available in the micro, in the most expansive galactic, intergalactic, multigalactic consciousness and present right here as the very subatomic particle of any part of your body, any part of your beingness. This infinite presence is fully present right here, right now, as all there is. And it is love and it, it, it is good. It has no agenda other than freedom. And we are one of that. Because it is all that there is, we have to be, we must be, we can only be one of that infinite presence. And so everything, every detail of our lives is within this infinite consciousness. And we who live as multi-layered beingness are one of this presence. And so I speak my word that we learn what we need to learn. Ernest Holmes has a lovely saying, the world has learned all it needs to learn through suffering. And so we let go of suffering. We face discomfort. We face the change. But we don't have to suffer around it. And so we move through into that which wants to express, which is always a greater freedom, a greater good, a greater joy, a greater love, a greater light within and as us, that the flames of our heart, of our hearts, are constantly expanding, constantly growing, constantly expressing more fully. And nothing, nothing can truly hold us back unless we agree to it. And we break our any agreements to being held back. We create the agreement of freedom, of joy, of expressing the oneness and the wholeness that we are. And I am grateful for each of us who is in this process, this awakening process, knowing that exactly where we are in this process is perfect. And all that we need to do to continue in this process will be revealed and made available to us, and we will take those steps and walk that path perfectly. I am so grateful for all of the good and all all of the love that comes out of this. And so I release this word, this knowing into that, what we call the law, that action, that motivation that moves it into form and experience and expression in our lives right here, right now. And that is its function and it is doing it. It is making what is already so, so in our experience and expression. And so it is. <sighs> 